Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from Beyond the Dice. Beyond the Dice is a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play Dorito podcast. Set in a cyberpunk city called New Etica. I'm your dungeon last... Dungeon laster? <laughs> You're the last one standing. I'm the dungeon laster, Luke. And your players are... Ben, I play Cortain, a level 3 fighter. Jeff, I play Gage, a level 3 human wizard. Peter, I'm playing your burrito today, apparently, because I'm hungry. But level 3 dwarf officer called Speaks. Why am I always last? Because it's the order. Because your name starts with a T. Oh, that is, that is an alphabetist. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be first next time. Just flip the order. I don't, I don't like that. Oh, Ooh, you well. don't like that? Well, welcome to my life. Look, Trav, who is speaking? We don't even know who you oh, are. I'm Trav, Little Moss, level 3, half of my If you who didn't abuse being your privileges... All the time! <laughs> you know why? Because you abuse the run sheet. I exactly. Do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, like that. <laughs> level, you were like level 300 like last yeah, don't time. don't give me access. <laughs> don't give me access to any Google Docs ever. I can't stop it. I tried to find a way on roll 20 of locking you out so that you couldn't draw dicks all over my maps in our other campaign. Oh, I'm sorry, this is right. ripe for the picking. Or ripe for the dicking. <laughs> yes. Yay! <laughs> Alright, you... You creamy boys. Oh, what does that mean? That sounds really sexual. <laughs> no, 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 no just... that sounds really racist. Yeah. What? We're all creamy boys. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's um, let's all roll roll d20s and let's see who will tell us what happened previously on Beyond the Dice. Oh man, it's not me this time. Now my dice fell off the table. Unless everyone gets a twenty, um, not going. Ooh, did you get a twenty, Peter? Got a nineteen. That's close. Eighteen. Ben, did you roll this time? Yeah, I did. I got a fourteen. <laughs> oh, you are the lowest, sir. With a fourteen, bullshit. Recount. <laughs> <laughs> Drop mic. We just hear a gunshot go off. <laughs> ben, no! Wow. Whoa. Well, I do really have more going on in my life than the podcast, I think. Shit. Yeah, nah, bro. No, 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 Ben. It wasn't, sh- it wasn't shooting yourself. It was shooting the computer. Yeah. You got those Star Wars minis to paint. Fuck, you can't be doing that. Paint my life stuff. like it's like worth, you know, it's worth something. Not like, it's like the only thing that's so <laughs> me is that I've got miniatures to paint. Can I, have, can I have your tower army? Shit! No, you just try like picking apart my property. Yeah, okay, Jeff. You can have my tower army. Shit. Hey, hey, he's already promised oh, okay. that to me. Actually, no, I think I promised that to Luke already. Yeah, you did. You got, Jeff, you got your own 40k, right? Sorry, man. Alright. Alright, Ben, what happened previously on Beyond the Dice? Previously, we started off. At the alley next to, was it Petey's Pizzeria? That's it. That's it. That, that that restaurant that is now dropped in the zeitgeist due to the fact that a customer number threed all over the place. Um, <laughs> it wasn't even a customer. I didn't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably even worse. They're just letting derelicts in off the street and they're just coming in and just vomiting and shitting and pissing everywhere. So it's their own fault. That's what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if, you know, 
If they didn't let the if they didn't let this this creepy dwarf with no hand or and no legs in, then just Whoa. saying sometimes it's probably appropriate to judge a person based on their appearance. And then Whoa. he he went out to the alleyway. Are you saying that you shouldn't let like people with disabilities into your shops? Into your that's I don't know if you should be. No, I'm saying mm. that this pizzeria saw this, like, drunken dwarf without a hand and robotic chicken legs walk into his pizzeria, sc- like, scrambling and, and yelling about some bullshit, and then he just vomits and pisses everywhere. And now they wonder why they've got no customers. All right, fair enough. Maybe fair they enough. need to undergo some sensitivity training. I probably do. <laughs> I think so. Um, well, I mean, I definitely, if Cortain's reaction to Spiggs's wife being in, in extreme danger was any reaction or was any indication sorry bit of a rant you ask a simple question recap what <laughs> happened last time I'll, I'll try to do it so Spigs couldn't find his pants or his gun and so started yelling and crying and did like the whole Darth Vader like no kind of thing then he got really sad because even though his wife is in danger his pants and gun are more important to him and they were a far more emotional lost than his what wife the being in danger. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so <laughs> he 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 took some convincing to actually come to the Edict <laughs> Edict of Eyes headquarters, which is called uh, Vice. Vice, that's it. Um so we went to Vice, being dropped off by the cab driver who Cortain gave probably a bad medical diagnosis to. And Cortain then decided not to go in and confront the big boss who's been playing us for so long. So that was Cortain out for the rest of the episode. And <laughs> then the don't other know what three... happened after that. All blur. You don't know what happened after that. It was all a blur. <laughs> I know, Cort- I don't exactly. I can't say what happened. Apparently, the three of them went in, got back his wife, and that's about it. Cool. Spigs and his family were reunited. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was kind of heartwarming. So- can we do our podcast? Can, can, I, re- podcast? can I rebuttal on, on that, uh, <laughs> that recap? No, on you've done kids. enough to the re- the most recent recaps, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so wait, let us wait. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, in tradition, do we need like an update on the drink count, or mm, that I'm drinking anymore? water at the moment because I've got a little bit of a sore throat. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys, I'm letting you down. <laughs> just saying i'm keeping that just in <laughs> all right the beginning of this episode will be um well i should say this episode will be a time skip so there are going to be uh, four weeks since spigs gets his family back and everyone talks about going to the library to do some things and stuff it's gonna be four weeks and we're gonna talk to each of the players and we're going to have little scenes with their characters and such that describes and explains what happens over those four weeks. But first, we're going to have a scene narrated by yours truly. dark evening in Darkhaven, New Etika. We see a truck through the rain. Its destination, Lower Etika, the warehouse district of New Etika. It crosses over a bridge that stretches across one of the channels that separates Lower Etika from Darkhaven. The rushing water in the channel carries away dirt, grime, 
rubbish. The lights of the city make this dark truck look as if it is skirted with pink and green light bars. The rain has created a glossy reflection on the container that's on the, the back of the truck. Now this container houses prototype technology. Something very, very valuable. Something the Edict of Aya have stolen. As the truck crosses the bridge, we see something that looks like a mass of black cloth drop from one of the towers and one of the struts keeps this bridge sturdy and unwavering. Now the rain is so heavy that the driver of this truck, a tall skinny human woman and her companion, a bulky hobgoblin, don't even notice the light thump on the container that they are carting. The black mass of cloth stands up and amongst it is a woman in black clothes. Her black cloak flutters in the wind and she steadies herself. Now her face is obscured by a strange mask, a matte black mask. And now it's very reminiscent of, and, and bear with me on this one, it's written quite a while ago. It's very reminiscent of a panther, though it has four ear-like protrusions on the side of its head, on top of its head, and glowing white teeth. The black glass eyes of this mask flick alive with two glowing green orb-like irises. Now the mask looks a little out of place as the rest of her outfit is very simple. Things that you could have bought from any sort of utility clothing store. Black cargo pants, a heavy black jacket, black boots, black gloves. Very, very simple and sort of Spartan clothing. She ducks low and grips on for her dear life as the truck turns a corner. Now this figure reaches into a satchel and removes a dome-like device. She places it on the roof of this shipping container. And she taps some buttons. Beep, boop, boop, boop. They shed a dull orange light. Two small arms protrude from the device and little cutting flames begin to burn through the thick steel of the container. And they move around in a circle, cutting. And after a few minutes, the figure taps a code on the device once again, and it releases its grip on the steel box. She lifts up this dome and places it in her satchel. She drops into the container. There is a very narrow aisle between the stacks of crates that reach to the very roof she just cut through. And she checks the little code displays on each of the containers until she finds what she's looking for. She finds the prototype. She slides out the case from its housing on the shelf, clicks open the clip of this case. The truck slows and comes to a stop in front of a large wire fence that crackles with some blue electricity here and there every few seconds. And we see the two in the cabin of the truck lit only by the red heads-up display projected on the windscreen. The passenger of the truck picks up a radio and says, we're here. We got your Nolka juice ready. A response is heard over the radio. A goblin voice says, Entry code. The passenger says, D1SPLAC3R. The goblin once again crackles over the radio. Very well. We'll open up. The chain fences flick 
as the electro field is disabled and the gates slide open. The truck rumbles to life once again and slowly crawls into the warehouse yard. We see its large headlights lighting up the side of a warehouse and revealing four black vans that are hiding in wait. The truck backs up to the loading dock. It's level with the floor of the container. Out of the rear doors of these vans, multiple armed people emerge. One of them, a half-orc, with slick back blonde hair, an eye patch, and a cigar sitting in the corner of his mouth. The rain soaks his clothes instantly as he begins walking over to the truck, smoke still trailing from his cigar. The two misfits from the truck jump out, the human woman saying, No troubles on the way here, smooth traveling. The bulky hobgoblin pulls a tablet from his vest and hands it to Brax. Brax the half-orc smiles as he scrolls through the manifest. He points in the air towards the back of the truck and his people begin moving to unload the container. Brax throws the tablet to the hobgoblin who almost drops it. He fumbles with it and Brax makes his way up the stairs of the loading dock, his burning cigar like an ember gem in the darkness. The half-orc takes a draw of his cigar, takes it out of his mouth, blows the smoke. He returns the cigar to its place in the corner of his mouth. Brax types the code into the lock on the container and it blinks. The locking mechanism clunks open. He reaches in, pulls the large handles on the doors open and we see Brax's cigar go dark as a large raindrop douses the end of it. And we see his smirk slowly turn to a grimace. Now picture a scene in the rain in slow motion, like real cool shit, like in action movies. The raindrops suddenly look as if they aren't moving, they're falling that slow. Brax's cigar tips and falls from Brax's mouth as he reaches his hand for his ribs where his hand cannon lays in wait. He is whipped across the face by something and he flies back in the rain. Then everything speeds up, the rain begins to fall normally and we see that dark interior of the container. Two glowing orbs and two rows of glowing white teeth in the darkness. Then, suddenly, two other sets of eyes and teeth appear. And out of the back of the truck, three black blurs charge those edict operatives who wait to unload their spoils. The figures in the cloak and the glowing eyes pull free a large black revolver and begin blasting those in front of them. From inside their cloaks emerge two sleek, black mechanical tentacles which the ends of them are covered in white glowing spikes. The tentacles slam into those operatives who are flanking them, their assault rifles tumbling to the ground and we see the three figures moving forward in unison. From behind their cloak once again an odd sight emerges. Another set of arms. These arms are slender and are set with glowing claws. It was as if they reacted to one of the operatives moving in to strike the three women down with their longsword. The middle figure fires her pistol with her right hand. The two robotic arms slash the belly of the swordsman and she spins to the side 
her left hand rips a grenade belt off of the attacker's vest. Brax gets to his feet, points his hand cannon at one of the women and fires. She drops the revolver into the cybernetic arm below. The cybernetic arms catch the pistol and she pulls the pin off one of the grenades, throws it over her shoulder into the shipping container. Brax watches the grenades tick by in slow motion as he whispers, oh, as he dives off of the loading dock. Now we see the warehouses from a bird's eye view, and suddenly a ball of fire erupts on the back of the truck, setting a chain reaction. The truck the four vans explode in bright orange globes of flame. The Panther thing, I, I wrote this before seeing Black Panther. Um, there's a D&D creature that is a panther. It's in, it's from the Underdark. It's it's a panther with tentacles and it's got um, mm. six legs. It's called a Displacer Beast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just created this character. Um, so just, just so you get the meta of it, if you hadn't seen that creature before or didn't really understand. All right, so um, yeah, so it's four weeks later. Um, let's talk about what your characters might have done in those four weeks. You know, we can we can talk about um, you know other merc jobs you might have done, any information you might have gathered that you wanted to, any interactions that you think that they would have had. So, who would like to go first? All right, Gage. Uh, Gage wants to lay low a little bit. You know, we got so much like stuff in the edict of ire we had so much stuff go awry um everyone's you know we we managed to escape the edict and you more just wanted to lay low let things kind of settle a little bit before heading out and trying to do things again he will uh which i think will come up still but like uh, if we come back to gauge we can do that but the first thing he wanted to do was head back to the library and saying that cool. yeah so saying that um like i think Spigs had like he feels he should take speaks because he had the best rapport with those guys and the history there um actually do we think oh Cortain said he wanted to go as well yeah that's true actually just thinking now do um he might want to take just looking at my notes um sorry have you got him pinned up there on the wall I do that's awesome but nerd I've (laughs) I have only got one standard drink left of my eight. <laughs> you need binoculars, yeah. don't you? <laughs> What's the girl's name? I haven't. I haven't actually written down the notes in that particular. Ah, uh, yeah. Page Longleaf. Yeah. So I guess actually before. Yeah. Ah, oh, there it is. Yep, I found it. Um. Yeah. So because I, she was tied to the keepers of law, wasn't she? Yeah. So, actually, yeah. Do we want to have a conversation? You can edit this as you see fit. Do you, do you, do you want to have a conversation with Gage and Paige to talk her into coming, or we can just bring her with us? Let's say um you're gonna call her or just rock up there. I think going in person is more Gage's style. All right, so let's uh this first little scene and interaction will be you knocking. You're you're now knocking on um Paige's front door. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Her sister opens the door. 
she's um she's uh, dressed in like a sort of like a business attire like a sort of a, a suit uh she's like oh hey sorry i was just on my way to work um d- uh gage right yeah yeah f- yeah yeah it is her sister it's just yeah, it's like, a sister. like as in yeah as in both daughters of the yeah okay Yep. Um, I was looking for Paige, but I think this kind of concerns both of you. Uh, do you do you have a minute, or are you going to be late? Uh, hey, I'm I've got an internship at this firm. I I kind of need to go right now. I'm I'm really sorry. Um, look, look, that, that's fine. Is is Paige here at the moment? Uh, no, she's been she's since you've been here and stuff. She's she seemed to be a lot better. She's been going out a lot more, not really sitting at home, and she, you know, she was grieving and stuff. And I think she's worked th- working through it. She's she's been out and about in the streets. Mm. I think she's been looking for more work, or maybe at uni. I'm not sure. All right, it's, we've been, we've both been so busy. I've been working like sixteen hour days. Um, and sorry, sorry, Gage, I've really got. That, go. That's fine. That's fine. Look, I'll I'll catch you later. Um um, here's her number. Uh, do you have AR open? Yep. Here. And you see like a little um, contact list. So uh, you get this little contact information. It says Paige Longleaf, little commute, like new little IP number. Yep. Her sister sort of uh, runs off with her briefcase and her bag and such. Would Gage call or would Gage hang around and wait for her to come back? Gage doesn't call. No, I have a I have a spell that is literally like call someone. So Gage calls. <laughs> well, he calls norm. Right. He calls normally. If she doesn't answer, then he will call with infallible relay. All right, cool. Um, you call and she answers. She's like, "Hey, uh, who's this? Yeah, this is Gage. Do you have a moment? Hey, yeah. Did you like learn anything about those pieces of shit? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh." How are you, by the way? Sorry. Ah, it's fine. We're fine. I'm fine. Um, look, there's something that you might be interested in uh, with about your parents. Uh, okay. Um, this might be a little bit deeper than you thought, or maybe um, about that gun that you have. Look, if you're interested, um, I could forward some information to you when we're planning to head down and get, get some more information together if you want to join us. Um, Who's... Who's us? Uh, just some friends of mine. Similar interests. Okay. Um, all right, send it along. I, 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 I'm a little busy at the moment, but like, if things free up and I'm nearby, I'll pop down to... Where is it? Uh, it's... Maybe it'd be better if we go together, I think. Oh. It's okay. Uh, uh, can I send her the district information? Like, tell her what kind of area it's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't say exactly because Gage doesn't want to go by herself. Like, yep, yeah. How, how are things going, Paige? Yeah, good. I've uh, I've been working through some things, and I think I've come to accept what's happened, and you know, my place in Darkhaven, and I'm finishing up uni soon. Oh, I'm feeling finishing up college soon, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess. Sure. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, Paige. All right. Thanks, Gage. I'll um. I yep. might see you later. Cool. Hangs up. All right. So um. 
I'll go and talk with the other guys. We'll organize when we want to meet at the library together. I think we can just drive there. I don't think we need to meet and then re-meet. We're trying to tee up a time. Does Spigs actually want to come? Which is... Or do we want want to have a conversation around it? Who wanted to go to the library and who wants to go to Spigs' shop? Moss wants to go to the library. All right, let's say that... um, What about Cortain? Or is he just going to wait for the call? He's not going to try and go and convince Spigs to go? He's... What do, what do you reckon? What does is, what is Cortain think about it all? Uh, well, how long is it, how long has it been since we've seen Cortain? Uh, how long has it been since we've seen Spigs? Um, you tell me. Look, if we haven't heard back from him, if we're going to the library, Cortain will want to make sure that Spigs is aware. So, unless... That's, yeah, I would say, like, s- since you guys talked about it, Straight after getting Glist back, let's say if it's a few days after all of that, so it's, it's early on in this time in this time skip. Yeah, I'd I'd say like two days maximum because Gage doesn't want to lie low, but he's still feeling antsy, like he wants to do something, and this won't get much attention. So he's doing this in the downtime. Yeah, he didn't really get hurt or anything. There's no like recovery time for him at least. Yeah. Yep. Um, I won't go to the workshop. I'll give... If no one else will, I'll give Spigs a call and see if he's going to join us. So it is the evening of getting Glist back and Spigs and Glist leave the bar. The other three mercs are sitting at the at the bar. Barge is pouring them whiskey. So from the, uh, from the episode before, we're going to skip back to then. And we're going to have our mercenaries, our players here, are going to have a conversation about heading back to the library. So, uh, how long should we give Spigs before we try and bring him with us? I don't know. What day is it today? Like, Sunday? I don't know. Maybe talk to him on a Tuesday. There are no Sundays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's 10 days. This is Dungeons and Dragons. Surely it's still Sunday in Dungeons and Dragons. No, there's 10 days in a week. Really? Yep, I did not know that. But we're in the cyberpunk future, isn't it? Like a hexadecimal version. Like we're up to day <laughs> F. That yeah. is, that is most enlightening. Cortain cannot respond for now. He was he is just like lost in the thought that there's not- ten days in a week. He's been living on a seven day week calendar for his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> when did he think it was seven days? What the hell? He's a metro time scale. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, so, I don't know, like two days or so, and then we'll see, we'll see if he wants to come. Alright, we'll just pick him up, try and bring him on the way, surprise him. I think we should probably give him a call. I don't really want to, you know. Why, why is he so delicate? Is it just like he's at home, he's upset, or like he's recovering from number threes? (laughs) I don't know, you saw, you saw him that night, he was, he was all over the place. He was. I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't even remember what happened in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> Look, are we? Are we all going? Are we all going to go together in the same car to the library? Oh well, you know, I think it's economical to carpool. Just saying. Just saying that because you don't have a car. Well, I could take my hoverboard, bitch. <laughs> but I'd rather travel with company, other Re- than yours. Oh, <laughs> so you want me to take a different car, do? <laughs> yes, but I still want you to pay for mine. Car, maybe <laughs> <laughs> your travel travel fees. Well, yeah. Gage has a car. That's true. Yeah, you take that car. 
I'm going to take my hoverboard. You guys get to the library however you want. I need some thinking time. I think Little Moss is probably the most likely candidate to go to the workshop because he's got to go be the only responsible male adult in Spiggs' son's life. You leave Gleam out of this. He's <laughs> all right. He he is much more together than his father. I never. Right? I wasn't dissing him. I was dissing. Can his you father. imagine that conversation? Like when he gets home, and it's like, oh, mummy had to go away for a while. I'm like, dude, you almost had mum killed. <laughs> <laughs> like you let her fall in the hands of evil. It's like I could have stopped it with my kung fu magic, but you wouldn't let me. I had to stay home and look after the shop. I'm not going to the shop. I want to go to the library. I want to find out more about my master. Your master? What the hell's a master? Can we just send Spigs a text? <laughs> yeah, look, let's do that. That's what we're, we're meeting. We're meeting. We're meeting. Oh, look, oh. Do we have a Facebook messenger? Oh, wait. Who doesn't have Facebook? Spigs, probably. Probably Spigs. He's old. All right. Let's cut back to the future. Um, Spigs, <laughs> you're in your... No, 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 wait, um, wait. Sorry. Is this... Like in game future, like uh, like you know, met, like, explain which future. It's okay, like so you die alone and sad. That's your it's, future. It's a couple, maybe like two, three days after, two days after getting glist back, and uh, you've just been sort of spending some family time and doing some things. What have you been doing? <laughs> just real quick, just um, uh, describe what you've been doing in the last two days. Well, apart from just like recovering from all the blood loss and like probably the uh, alcohol poisoning as well. Um, and, you know, spending some quality time with the family. Uh, Spigs has gone off. Uh, they've, they've got whatever savings they've currently had and gone off to uh, find a replacement for his hand. Cool. Let's say that you have made contact with the, or you've you've sort of um, you talked to the person who's going to help you um, sort of connect the um, nerve connectors and all that sort of thing on your arm and um, and get your your arm in a shape where you can connect an augment to it. But you haven't yet got the augment. Um, when you're on your way back home, driving Chev back to the shop, I'm you... pretty sure I won't be able to be able to drive without surgery. Get well, one of the other ones can drive me. It's the future. Cool. Yeah, let's, let's just let's say, go to Todd, um, Todd the Razor can drive me back. Let's say your te- let's say Gleam is like on his learners and he's, oh man, <laughs> he's been doing. He's driving okay, um, but you get an estimate. You get you get a message from the uh, from all the guys from from the group chat. What does it say, guys? Look, we're looking to go to the library tomorrow. Um, we think that it would be really good. If you joined us uh, with the uh, to deal with the keepers, let us know if you're in. Are you going to reply, Spigs? Uh, Spigs replies in. Good. We'll meet you there at 10 a.m. All right. So tomorrow comes around. Chev is there. Gleam is uh, sitting in the driver's seat as... Um, little Moss, do you get there early on your on your um, hoverboard, or you rock up late? What what's what's your um, punctuality like? Uh, it depends. Like, what do I like? Okay, I'm I'm skating on my hoverboard. I'm I'm kicking it down the street. I'm trying to remain inconspicuous, 
And so you have your white. Do you have your white? Um, no, 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 black, black. Come on. Ah, okay. I thought black was for business and white was to pretend that you're not Little Moss. Ah, uh, no, this is all business. Okay. This cool. library visit is. It's like, it's like a little kid that is dressed up in a suit to go to a job interview that he's never going to get. Like that's that's kind of where his black turtleneck's at. Anyway, so you're wearing a tie with it. Um, like a piece of rope, like just sort of around his neck <laughs> in the, sh- in the kind of loose semblance of a tie, but not, not really. Watch what is his, what are his glasses? Sorry. They're still shifty dog eyes. Ah, really? Oh, you, have to, you haven't changed them. Nah, nah, man. There's no reason. I'm still, I'm still not sure. All right. Anyway. So, I'm skating down the street, and what do I see? You see... I don't know. Do you want to be late or early? Well, it, or on it time. really does depend on what I see down the street. Oh, as you're traveling. Yes. Ah, okay. How, roll roll a uh, d20 for me, sir. Please uh-huh. let it be that poodle back from ages ago. <laughs> uh, 11. 11. All right, you Turn see... Turn it up to 11. You see a bunch of, um, like, kids your age just just down an alleyway. As you skate past, you see them in your peripheral and you stop. They've got, um, like, these sort of mat, these glossy mats down and they're fucking breakdancing. Oh, I'm going to be late. You're going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, they've got... Um, they got some pretty, I don't know if you think it's cool, but they've got some like urban music playing. Urban? Um, yeah. So like I stagger down the alleyway, like I kick up my board and I stagger from side to side. I rest my like hand up against the wall because like I feel like I can't even stop the music All right. getting to me. You see um, Danusi there, the little Aegis goblin. Oh, my God. She's wearing, like, a little bucket hat. Oh, yeah, she is. And, like, some uh, baggy pants and um, a hoodie. It's unzipped. And she's like, hey, little moss, what's up, man? Haven't seen you for ages, bro. What's what's going on? Let's get some coffee, but not before this song finishes. Are Are you actually coming here right now? Oh. do this <laughs> you know like I don't feel like I don't believe in gods or God or whatever but hey I'm here the music is playing let's dance alright show me your rad moves bro and then you see um, like this uh, skinny half elf kid be like yo man you can use my mat no problems dude no, no problems bro come on man come on let's do it rad bro come on swell kid come on so what do you want me to roll uh, let's roll an acrobatics. Ah, oh, for elite skills. And then maybe um, performance. I don't know. What do you guys reckon? Acrobatics for the break dancing. I reckon agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> it's agricola. It's a game of European board gaming. All right, what, now what you about go survival. Ro- <laughs> nah, acrobatics. <laughs> okay, acrobatics. In is... fourth edition, he would have been rolling streetwise. Am I right, boys? Yeah. Uh, it's a 19 for acrobatics. Oh, bro, 
You pull off some of the most rad breakdance moves. Let me oh. Google them real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do it like a head spin. Like, I just the first thing I do is like jump in my head and like spin myself around uncontrollably. All right, dude, you do the head slide, baby spins, hand hops, flares. You do windmills. You do jackhammers, man. You pull them all out of the bag. I just looked up some cool mm. moves. You turn, um turn into the worm. Yeah, at one point you even do the worm. You, do, you know the heads. You know the head slide. It's pretty cool. It's when they slide along there on the ground on there at the head. Um, yeah, you do that, and everyone's like, "Yeah, dude!" And then some guys like, "Oh, Danusi, where do you even know this guy from?" She's like, "Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I met him at work and stuff. He's pretty cool. You know, he's a tough guy." Yes. Yeah, Are you two like dating or something? No, like I said, we should get coffee sometime, and I never heard back. You um, can, do you want to add some street cred? How do I manage that? I don't know. Let's just let's just go your plus two street cred, and you can pull that out at some point and use it. All right. <laughs> All right. So like after um hanging out with them, break dancing and then talking and stuff, and everyone being like, dude, you're like swaggering a little bit. What's what's going on for that? And then you know talking to them and stuff like. That. You, uh, you realize that you're running late. And so you scoot off. You scooch along with your uh, mm. on your hoverboard. Love my scooching. Denise is like, see you later, man. In the distance. It's like, I'll hold you to that. And you arrive at Darkhaven Library and you see the cars are there, but nobody's in them. You see Gage's car. You see Spig's truck. And... Um, Cortain, how did you get there? Your, um, your van, oh, sorry, sorry, your Jeep is, uh, is fixed, but that motorbike's been destroyed. So then I take the Jeep. All right. You're just going to have, you're going to like, um, some, some point, I don't know, get that guy on your motorbike. <laughs> no, I'll just never see him again. <laughs> Dude, you, you had to pick up your car. Anyway, um, <laughs> so little Moss, you see that nobody's in the car and you make your way up through this old dead tangle of what was once vegetation to the front of this library and you push open the big doors and there's some light coming in now because it's during, it's the day, it's daytime and you see various people in the center of the library area where from the top of the roof, there's this big sort of glass old dome. The glass is all dirty, but light is still shining through down on all of them. You walk up to the mall and it's all your friends as well as Gleam. And he's like, little Moss, I mean, master. Uh, Let's just cut straight to... um, Can I uh, hold you up there, boys? Since uh, you guys help, help me out, Getting my wife, you know, I was pretty, I was a bit devastated towards the end. I think it might have been part of the, uh, part of the blood loss and the the alcohol as well. But uh, I was, yeah, I was really annoyed that you guys thought that my priorities weren't straight. That uh, I wasn't, I wasn't family first, and uh, I, I, that's 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 why after you said you know that I couldn't couldn't. Uh, Save my wife properly. I was I was a bit upset there, and uh, it was pretty hard for me coming here. But 
yeah, I see that you guys, you did help me out. I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys stuck to me at the end and helped me even when I was lost my hand and was stumbling around drunk from the alcohol, from the, the surgery. I just, I just really, really want to thank you guys. Couldn't have done it without you. Always willing to give a friend a helping hand. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> oh shit! He's gonna like cut all reach around. Is Gleam here too? Yeah. Okay. Gage, like, after hearing what he said, he looks at both of them and says, "Like, look, like, you, like, we're here now, but you know, we're we're mercenaries. This is what we do." You know, we're going to go against these people and we're going to do this stuff in the future. Like right now, you don't have to answer this right now, but like you really need to think, Spigs. Is this something that you want to be a part of? Is this something you want to continue? Um, you need to you need to really think about this because if you continue with us, you're going to be putting your family in danger. That 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 goes for all of us, but is this something you really want to continue? I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, it's fine. Damn. Mm, they got more real than I thought it would. Wow. Look, let's, oh, let's, oh, let's look up way, some magic, right? If, if, you, if, you, if, if those of you haven't met, this is my uh, son, Gleam. Oh, hi, Gleam. My name's Moss. Dad, don't you remember when you all came to... Get me out of the um, security <laughs> precincts. Uh, no. Oh, that the was electricity many, affects many. his memory. Yeah, that's I met I met everyone basically, but these guys, which you know, I met them before, and Dune's like, yes, we have made introductions. I was talking to uh, obviously Lorian and Dune here. Yeah, well, we sort of skipped forward, and they um like would we skipped forward to say that like you guys had already entered the library and had been there for a little, for, you know maybe. Oh, sorry, were we outside still? No, you're all inside. But you had already been there when Little Moss arrived. So you had already all introduced. Like, we'll just skip all of that introduction stuff so we don't have to do it again. Yep. Okay. But Lorian has been going over certain books with Gage on a big desk and sort of explaining things and, like, telling you the... Like the cert- the names in common for certain signs and glyphs of magic, and like sort of kind of teaching you like the magic alphabet, if you wish, and then and and the magic numbers, if you wish, like if if that makes sense. Yeah, um, and what I was thinking too, the gauge is starting to learn like the schools of magic, like the older the older reasonings and the older practices around how there were different schools and how they all fit together and that kind of history behind it and where people have come from and what, what they were doing and things like that as well. Yeah. Like, so so that way it doesn't, it doesn't mean like, Oh, I learned these five new spells from this. It's more like an overall knowledge gathering that isn't necessarily common anymore or just Googleable. And there's like, there's references to like, all of the planes of existence and the mirror worlds and how they're all tied together to the route of the, the, like the realm of life or the natural realm where magic exists because of the link of all of these different realms and dimensions and places. 
Um, and it's sort of like confusing because that's usually stuff that is in science fiction, but mm. you're reading it from this old historical tome and it's sort of like could be true. You haven't experienced them sort of things yet, but yeah. Gage is more wondering if this is religion more than magic, you know, and what separates these things as well. They haven't talked about gods or deities or anything like that in the tomes, that you, the, the two tomes that you've been reading through. Mm-hmm. It's been more of the arcane, which would be like the scientific approach in a sense of magic. It's like the magic approach okay. on magic, but in the way that a wizard would write it and understand it. Not yeah. a, not like a... Then Balthazar gives strength and fire to his followers. It's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. But I meant more of like the... Kind of like the way of the path. It's one of the D&D religions. More like these things that these people put trust in and the way that they explain their magic seems like separate. Like it's scientific, but it's still like more of a separate level than what Gage understands. So to him... It might seem more religious, even if it's not. Yeah, like archaic religious. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. cool. Um, what does Cortain? What did he want to learn? Anything, or is he just going to talk to people, or waiting for other people, or what? 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 Uh, well, Cortain doesn't really think that him reading any of these kind of ancient magical tomes or tomes about ancient magic will really help because he probably won't understand them. Yep. So he is happy to go just chat, um, chat with some the guys there and and get more information. Cool. Uh, well, did you want to speak to anybody in particular about a subject? Um, he wanted to know with this old, old magic why why it it, it disappeared. So you're sitting there and like Gage and Lorian have been going over these books and you ask the question. Lorian says, it's, uh, it's hard to say. A lot of different accounts say different things and I'm not, I'm old, but I'm not that old to have been there when the end came and everything fractured. But it is said that there was a great war that included technology, not on the level that we see it now. It was more primitive, but it was similar technologies like this. And he grabs uh, Gage's arm and sort of shakes it a bit. It, um, it was the road to this. Technologies that could harness magic on such a, a grand scale. Um, hold on. And he goes to a book and he flips through and he finds this page and there is like, um, like a, a a photo, like a photograph, a black and white photograph of this mountain. And out the side of this mountain, there is this incredibly gargantuan size cannon. And he flips it over and there's a section, like the next photo is like all of this energy looking lightning sort of stuff being dragged from nowhere into like these large chambers and holes on the side of this cannon and then he flips over again and there's another picture of like light expelling from the end of the cannon and then there's another picture of like a city 
that looks like it's had a train just as big that's barreled through the center of it. The center of the city is just a big half-pipe chasm, and there are all these buildings and structures that are crumbled inwards. And he says, Weapons like this were created. Weapons that... Um, technology that pulled from the other realms, from other worlds, from other places, and charged devastating, devastating things that could cause destruction. It said that some somewhere a weapon was created that was so powerful that it destroyed or broke the links between all of the realms and all of the universes. And that's why magic isn't as prevalent as it used to be. And it's harder for someone like me to do. Because over the years, magic has lessened the effect of magic and the the ease in which one would command it. Like, I'm an, a gnome, we're called. My people, they were very, very rare. A lot of us had died over the years because we're inherently magic. Magic is in my very blood and in my very brain. And I have to practice certain rituals to stay alive because if I don't, the magic will leave me and I will become very ill and I will perish. This is why people have to do this. And he grabs Gage's arm again and shakes it and says they have to change themselves to create technologies to tap into magic. It's it's harder now. So why, why don't you get augments to help you sustain being alive? I don't think it'll help. I think that if I do get augments, that would be less of me. Therefore, unless I become just a brain in a jar in a robot body or something, that my magic will, or the magic, the blood within me will kill me. Or, the, or I guess, I don't know. I just, I fear that removing parts of my body will hasten the, the hasten my death. I don't really know how long gnomes can live but you know so far 360 something years I've lived how long do elves and dwarves live do they live like the normal kind of age uh it's lessened over the years because of like because of magic disappearing uh but dwarves still live for like you know two two hundred years or so uh, elves are said to live longer. Um, they can live up to like 400 years, but it's um, it's sort of rare for that sort of case. Okay, so living for 300 years is not a huge surprise. Like it's it's not ridiculous. No, but like Darkhaven is a pretty dangerous place and only those who are very rich will get to that age or those who are very careful get to that age or very lucky yeah to those okay. sort of ages even dwarves and stuff because like there will be illnesses that they will die of because they can't afford the treatments or you know there will be something that happens and they are killed so it is sort of like rare to meet um or, or hear of a, a somebody that's died of old age that's a dwarf or an elf yeah okay. uh, but like over the years there had been plenty and many like miracle cures for humans to live an extra 50 years 100 years but they never ever really worked 
heard one was Vegemite. Veggie who? We're not sponsored by Doritos or Vegemite. No. Doritos, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> your original flavor and also your late night kebab. Oh, man, that was so good. That kebab they are... Uh, I... Yes, good stuff. Please sponsor us. I'll continue to talk about your products. Doritos, <laughs> if you're listening. All right. Uh, let's go to Little Moss. Do you want to talk to anyone? Why, in the library? Yeah. Um, I suppose I'd like to know more... Uh, look, I, I don't really know how I feel, but I want to speak to Lorian about the the keepers and about the role that my former master played. I don't know if I want it for hateful purposes or curiosity or a mixture of both. All right, let's say like you like you're a little bit awkward about it because you're not sure how you feel. Yeah. What, what one part one part is part of this? Did Paige end up coming? She is not here. Okay, that's you fine. sent her the information, but she didn't rock up. Okay, that's fine. So Sorry. continue. Lorian goes to grab another book, and you follow him, Little Moss, and he's like, "Oh, have you come to help me carry these?" No, I um. <laughs> you gonna kill? Oh. Well, actually, yeah, sure. But thank you. While we're walking here, thanks. Um, Wu Shin. Um, what's his deal? Uh, do, do you know him? I know him more than I care to. Hmm. And he sort of looks you up and down and he says, The lying fox, do the stance. I move into lying fox stance seamlessly. Uh, how did you... And wh- why? How? What did you do? Did they... Did they exile you? Or did you leave? Let's just say that they don't have a sense of humour. Yes, they definitely do not. Woozin! He's... He was your master, is that correct? Am I to believe that? Yes. <sighs> well, Woozin... And as you're walking through the, the aisles and... and of this library and past all the bookcases. Wu Xing, he... He was around for a long time. He is a little older than I. We grew up together, we were friends, and we have been a part, or we had been a part, of the Keepers of Law for almost our entire lives. And one day, he decided that what we were doing wasn't enough. There is something that your monastery protects. I'm not sure if you know, but he left to go there. And he took a few of the keepers and some people that he had been training in the city. And he left for Unva, and he never came back. And he took some things with him, some very important artifacts that he keeps with him keeps one around his neck, one around his wrist, and the others probably locked away somewhere. He wasn't supposed to take them. Curious. Yeah, Unva is the place in where your monastery is, and it's a, a walled-off part of the city that's sort of left and forgotten. It's a very small section. Small, 
but probably the size of like Melbourne CBD. Like it's pretty big in comparison. Well, like the Papal States. It's pretty big, but like it's walled off. The rest of the city is so massive in comparison and in contrast that like it seems small, but it's walled off and sort of forgotten. I um, I pledge at some point to go back and to explore that. You say that to him? Mm. Well, one day, maybe we shall all take a trip into Unva and go and speak with your master and see what he has to say for himself. You get back to the rest of the group. Spiggs obviously wants to find out more about the Keepers of Law, but should we do that in the next episode? Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll just talk about what you, what else you've done, over, what everyone's done over the four weeks. Just like basic synopsis of, of the four weeks. Oh, uh, some, some other things that Trav tries to go. Oh, Little Moss tries to go on a date with Danusi. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go. Roll a charisma check to see how well that goes for you. Oh, charisma. Okay. Yep. Oh, crit. Crit. Yeah. All right, you. One of the days you go out for a coffee and uh, at a cafe, and you're sitting there and eating, and you guys just talk and laugh. And she tells you that she didn't know, like she didn't, she didn't, she had no idea that you could dance so well. Oh yeah. Um, and that like she'll have to invite you to some more of their little um, prompt, like impromptu dance meets that they do every now and then. Good. Um, but it goes very well. It goes very well for you, sir. She even gives you a kiss on the cheek as you see her off. What a gentleman. Woo! <laughs> All right. Cortain, what are you doing? I am simply getting ready for the next confrontation with the ire. And it turns into a montage! <laughs> yeah! Major of Cortain just like pumping weights and just getting ready, getting fit, getting ready for the next fight. That's basically what he does. So he's like doing doing like chin-ups on this pipe in his room, like this on the roof. In and around his had a montage. Montage! Around, <laughs> around give, give, his, me, give me cyberpunk montage. Uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, was it going to just be like 80s, 80s soundtrack? He's got one white glove on. He's got a bit of footloose. But it's he's, like, yeah, he's holding onto the bar and he's pulling up these big chains over around his shoulders and the tires on the end of it. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He's got a he's got a dumbbell. They look, you know, pretty small, and you twist like a little um, sort of like knob on the end of each side and then you like your muscles get pumped and veins ripple up your arm and you pump those and you drop it and it makes a crack on the ground i want i want like i think you should have like all those things all over you recording all your data to try and find like the optimal way for you to start like losing weight but he's not gauge he's no 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 but it's still it's still (laughs) the future like it's still like you know how you do that you've got a smart watch It's not what he does? Okay. No, no, he's like eating the raw eggs, but they don't have eggs. He's eating raw powdered eggs. (laughs) Raw powdered eggs. (laughs) You're just eating protein. He's just eating dust. powder. Yeah. (laughs) 
What about uh, Spigs? What are you doing? So Spigs has been working, uh, gone back to the shop and been working hard four weeks. And at the end of the four weeks, he sends a message to each of his companions to meet at the Crooked Candle. He has a surprise for them. Ooh. All right. Um, Gage, we kind of did you a little bit in the first place. Did you want to finish off with anything before we go to the Crooked Candle? Yeah, well, Gage has been, like, you know, he's kind of been looking at this, like, magic as part of the library goes, and he's trying to build it into his understanding to, like, try and compile, like, a new code. But on top of that, um, like, after, you know, after about a week or so, he starts... Um, trying to track down more about the edict, but subtly, so not to attract much attention. He's been he's been investigating. He's been talking to different people in the area, like different business owners, owners, small business owners that were like um, looking after like money, like um, people like you know coming in for protection and things like that. Like edict is trying to hustle the city. And he's trying to find out how they're hustling the city, where they're going, who they're talking to, um, and trying to extrapolate um, the the chain of command, I guess. Yep. Um, um, he's been directly hacking. Um, he's been like inserting himself within different structures, trying to get more information, but doing it on the sly as much as possible. I don't know how much you want to go into that now, or do we want to go into that at a later point? Yeah, we'll go into that later point, but like yep. that's just a basic like breakdown of him trying to find the hierarchy of this, yeah, of this um, organization. Yeah, so they're, they're the two things he's kind of been doing, like trying to figure out magic more and trying to find out more about the edict, but very softly. Cool. Yeah. All right. So Gage, you rock up at the Crooked Candle in there in a little booth. You see little Moss is sitting there next to Cortain. Spigs is there. You walk in. They're all watching a television. And uh, Spigs says he's got something to show you. Also, you notice on Spigs' arm, where he was missing one, <laughs> there is a, a mechanical one. If you want to describe it, Spigs. Sure. So, basically, where Spigs at the elbow, there's a big sort of chamber, uh, round cylindrical chamber that Struts out where his forearm would be. Um, you can kind of see like a sort of like a hatch um, in the um, inner part of the arm. And then at the end, kind of leads, there's a big connection uh, joint uh, that holds between the forearm and his massive hand. Sort of like what you would think. Um, like kind of like Hellboy, like the size of the hand, like it's kind of disproportionate to Spigs' body. Yeah, that's um, cool. And uh, you quickly see now to you, Ali. Thanks, Andy. There have been major attacks made on private law enforcement group known as the Order of the Aegis. Over the last two nights alone, it is estimated that the Aegis have lost 60 members. They were killed in locations all over Darkhaven. The attacks have indeed impacted innocent bystanders, and it is reported that 33 civilians have been injured and 16 killed over the last two days alone. The new Etika Police Department have stated the civilians that were caught in the conflicts were in some way associated with the Order of Aegis. 
I'm here with Captain Mitsuni, who heads the Darkhaven branch of the new Edgar Police Department. Captain, you said you have some advice for all of us here in Darkhaven. I do. Thank you, Miss Alehouse. Now, fellow Darkhavians, the good people of the NEPD will be out in numbers with one thing in mind. To keep you safe. I'm doubling our efforts to put a stop to any gang activity, big or small. And he points at the screen. It seems there are a few new groups. One of them, called the Edict of Aya, has taken up residence in Darkhaven. And it is common knowledge that they exist. And he sort of frowns at the, at the screen, or at the camera. Now, we cannot be sure if their presence in Darkhaven is criminal in nature, though we will be keeping an eye and eye on them. It seems the only infraction they have committed is hacking of private media networks all over the city. Now we have a network security task force tracking them as we speak. After their intrusive broadcast that we all no doubt heard and saw, we have a great lead on the edict hackers. Rest assured, Darkhaven, we aim to quell this fire before it burns any more of you. We will hammer down on the gang violence. Thank you, Captain. Once again, this is Ali Alehouse, back to you in the studio. And then, Budge turns off the TV, and that's where we'll leave it. I can't believe that Budge would turn the TV off like that. How rude. What an asshole. Anyway, I'm Crux, the interdimensional demon bard, and I'll be seeing you next time, Traveler. My friends, my listeners, my cyborgs, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing the show with a friend. Feel free to do so if you know somebody who likes Dungeons and Dragons or likes sci-fi stuff or um, you think just might like the show altogether. Tell them to have a listen. Send a, send a link to them or uh, give them your phone. And uh, let's get us some more listeners and we can start doing some even cooler stuff. And check out our website at www.beyondthedice.com. I have checked it out now personally. I can verify that. <laughs> <laughs> at Beyond the Dice is our Instagram. It is better than the website. We do D&D stuff and RPG and geek paraphernalia. Um, if you would like to jump on our Facebook and check out all our cool news when the new episodes are coming out or like whatever crazy stuff Luke's been uh, looking at for the future, jump on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash btdpod. Also, um, if you have some time, jump on iTunes and give us a review uh, that is a great way for us to reach more people out there and thanks in advance yeah thanks guys it would be awesome if we can uh, give us some more reviews it'll put us on the front page of iTunes if we can get enough um, and then people will be able to see us and listen and we can do bigger greater things oh, yeah. thanks guys and good day bye bye
Um, can, yeah, deeper. Deep, no, okay. But if you haven't uh, seen it's, that creature um, before or didn't really understand. It's Denim's Lynx. Oh, Denim's Lynx. <laughs> <laughs> he ran off and like, got lost in the Underdark and then grew tentacles. <laughs> yeah, and then he came to New York. <laughs> A little um, contact list. Oh, heard that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hope it comes out of the audio. I'm going to amplify that sound. Put it in the bloopers, baby. All right. The poopers. Um, <laughs> the poopers. <laughs> Beep. Beep. <laughs>